And uh, next week, uh, we're going to hear testimony from Jeff. Jeff is the one who received a liver transplant. And Amy, who also attends the church, is the one who donated part of her liver. And so they're going to talk about uh, what God did in the midst of that, not only the success of the transplant, but also God did some other really cool things. And so uh, they're going to share their testimony uh, with us. And then we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper the Sunday before Thanksgiving. So we'll look back, blessings that God has given us, and look forward into the blessings in which God is going to give us. And so it'll be a great time. And then the Sunday after uh, Thanksgiving, we're going to start a new series. And normally I would do this on the first of the year, uh, but I'm going to do it before. I just feel like we're desperate indeed. And that is overloaded lives. So we have way too many things going on in our life. And we're going to look into the reason why that is and what the solution is and trying to reel us back a little bit so that we're able to focus on our life. And, uh, and really, uh, it's amazing um, all the struggles that we have because we have way too many things going on in our world and in our own personal life. So we're excited about the next, uh, next week for sure. And then the following week, I think, is going to be a good, a good series. All right. So inside your program, you'll find an outline that says, um, well, what does it say? It says mind games and it says how to develop a healthy self-image part two. So this is going to be a carry-on from last week. So we're going to go back and we're going to regroup because all of you went to sleep since the last time you were here. Is that right? Yes? So everyone remembered that special code that you're supposed to remember? <laughs> you're like, huh? What? Just kidding. I don't have one. All right. So let's go back and let's, let's talk about it. So I told a story last week about um, an article that, uh, kind of a title actually, that kind of struck me and caught my attention, and it said, Releasing the Elephant Within You. And it kind of caught my attention, and I thought, well, what is this? So I started reading through the article, and the article explained how circuses, and this, I'm not, this isn't to say it's, I'm for it or against it, how circuses train elephants, and how they uh, get them to behave and behavior modification and all that stuff. And so when an elephant is just a little tiny person, guy, thing, whatever they are, they take a stake and they cement it into the ground. Then they take a chain and they chain them to the front foot, one of the legs of the elephant. And as the elephant, you imagine a toddler, right? If you imagine trying to chain down a three-year-old, right? Some of you are like, well, that's... Right there, that's all I needed to know. I could do that, I'll, I'll solve all the problems. So imagine this little elephant, it's not interested in standing still. It wants to move around. And so as it pulls and as it tries to get away to be active, as a little elephant might want to do, it learns that it cannot move because it cannot pull the stake out of the concrete. And at that size, it cannot break the chain. But it also does something else it causes a little bit of tenderness around where the shackle is around its front leg. And so as the elephant grows older and it goes into the circuses and it, they chain them down, they, paid it, they actually put a wooden stick or a pipe and they just pound it into the dirt and they chain it up. And here's this mammoth beast, you know, 15,000 pounds that has the ability to, to certainly break and pull out the chain an elephant, a full-size elephant, can either pull or break around 12,000 pounds. And so it's huge. It has the ability to pull out the stake, but it doesn't. 
because it remembers as a little elephant that it couldn't. And it also remembers that when it wiggles around and moves around, that their leg is tender and it hurts. And so they program, if you will, the elephant to believe that it cannot break the chain. And therefore, it minds. It stays stuck to something that it easily could break loose. Its perception is, I can't move. Its perception is, I can't break the chain. The reality is, it could easily do that. Now, when we talk about elephants, that's one thing. But when we talk about our own life, it's a whole other story. See, the reality is, all of us have in our life strongholds. That's what the scripture calls strongholds in our life. And that's areas that we believe something that may not be true. And we begin to believe it and we begin to make decisions around those strongholds in our life and we live as if it were true. And so, for instance, maybe you're in school and you were called stupid, right? And whether it was in the schoolyard or your parents or whatever it is, but you've grown, now you're an adult, and you've grown to think that you're stupid. And you begin to make life choices around that stronghold in your life because you believe that it's true. You can never achieve anything. You can't have a healthy relationship. You can't have a healthy marriage. And so every time you enter into a relationship and things look healthy, you self-destruct. You destroy it on your own because you have believed that you cannot have. There is a perception in your life that you believe and it becomes a stronghold. So in your outline, we've been looking at this over the last several weeks and I don't want to rehash everything. Otherwise, we'll be here till about two. Um, strongholds mean to fortify a thought, an idea or holding uh, safely a castle. So we, we believe it, even though it may not necessarily be true. Well, the enemy, so we said this in week one and week two, the enemy comes along and he uses that system of thought in our life and he establishes claims against godly truths in our life. And we believe it as if it were, quote, the gospel, right? We believe those truths and we begin to make decisions around it. And so we said this, we said that the weapons that conquer that are not fleshly or worldly. If you believe that you are stupid, no amount of education from a secular standpoint, and I'm, not, I'm in favor of that, if no amount of education from a secular standpoint will make you believe any different because it is a stronghold in your life. It is a perception that you have in your life, that you're stupid, that you're not, you know, whatever those strongholds may be. And so the only way to break it in your outline is the weapons that conquer that uh, in our mind are divine or godly. And it takes God's word, what he says to us, and what he says about us to break down those strongholds that we have in our life that we believe as if it's true, just as the elephant believes that it's stuck, that it cannot, that it cannot move. And so in John chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus says this, to the Jews who believed him, he said, if you hold, and you can circle the word hold there, because that word means to stay or it means to wash over you. Okay, so so look what he says here. He says, if you hold, if you stay, if you allow my teachings to wash over you, you are really my disciples. And in verse 32, the, the, the starts off and it says then and the then is connected to the hold. 
All right, you can draw a little line right there because he says, then you will know the truth. Well, when will you know the truth? When you stay, when you hold, when you allow the truth to wash over you, then you will know the truth. And what will the truth do? The truth will set you free. When you allow what the scripture says to you and about you and you allow it to wash over you, then it will change your perspective, your stronghold that you have in your life that you've nailed into the ground and you believe that you can't move. When you allow what God has to say to you and about you and you allow that truth to wash over you, then you will know the truth and that truth will set you free. And we've looked at that in, in week, weeks one and weeks two. You can grab a CD on the way out. You can always listen online. So Ephesians chapter one, we're going to go back to there. And here's what Paul writes to the church. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to, all, uh, to the saints in Ephesus and the faithful in Christ Jesus. Verse 2. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Verse 4. For he chose us, he chose uh, us in him, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love. Verse 5, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through uh, Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, verse 6, to the praise of his glorious uh, grace, which he has freely given us in the one that he loves. And so last week, this is one of the big ideas that we learned. Big idea one is we recognize that we are righteous in Christ. He calls you saints. Okay? And you go, I don't feel like it. Well, listen to last week's message and you'll change your mind. Because remember, the stronghold is we don't feel like it. The reality is that sets us free is what God says to us and about us in His Word. And Paul calls the church saints. Not because they're good, and we'll see in a moment, but because they are in Christ, therefore they are righteous. None of us in our behavior are righteous. Anyone agree with that? Right? None of us in our behavior are righteous. We are righteous because of our position that we are in Christ. All right. So you ready? So here we go. Let me ask you a couple questions. And you've got to be honest, all right? Otherwise, we'll gong you. No, serious, a guy will come in and hit you in the head with a hammer. All right, no, I'm just kidding. That'd be kind of cool. Write that down. That's a new program. How many of you need patience in your life? Be honest. So, some of you, now, keep your hand up. Simon says hand up. Now, look around, okay? Now, the ones who are, hands are not up, they're either in a coma or in a different realm, all right? I'm not sure which it is, all right? Good, thank you. My hand. All right. How many of you you would like to have more love in your life? Now, hold on. Not for people like me who are lovable, because that's that's like a no-brainer, but for unlovable people. Anybody raise your hand? Probably the person sitting next to you. All right, here we go, all right? Good, all right. How many of you in your life have decisions that you need to make, and you need more wisdom in your life. Two hands up over there. Yep, the lady in the, lady in the, in the purple has two hands up. Sold! Ding, ding, ding. All right. Good. All right. <clears throat> How many of you 
from a worldly standpoint, you just need more drive to keep on going. How many of you feel that way? Now, some of you can't raise your hand because you don't have any drive left. All right? All right, good, good. All right. Big idea number two. You need to recognize that you have, what's the word? All the resources in Christ. All the resources in Christ. Look with me in verse 3. Praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with with spiritual blessing in Christ. Right? In Christ. But I don't feel that way. I know. You want to know why? Because you have a stake in the ground that you have buried into the ground and that is a perception that you believe. And therefore, you act on your belief. And we looked at that over the last couple of weeks. Remember, feelings, or I mean, excuse me, thoughts, feelings, actions. Right? You believe that you don't have enough. Because it is a stronghold in your life that you have nailed into the ground and therefore you live your life as if you don't. And here, what is truth? Truth is what God says to us and about us in His Word. And Paul writes and he says that we who are in Christ, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, we have everything that we need from a spiritual perspective standpoint number one did we read one we haven't we need to understand where pastor dan is because every once in a while he gets lost and then we got to reel him in and say hey you're at church now just stand up there and read your notes it's like okay am i on one or two here we go we need to understand uh, not only are we righteous in god's sight last week not only does God call us, uh, call you a saint, but God has given you everything that you need to live as a Christ follower. Okay, that's verse 3. Verse 3 says, everything that we need has been given to us. Okay, now we looked at this verse before in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Paul writes, and this is what we kicked off the series with. Paul is concerned about not the unbelieving world, but the believing world's mind being hijacked. And that their thoughts would not be on the things of God. And that their minds would be pulled and led astray. And so he writes to them, and he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, he says, we demolish arguments, right? And every, and that word can be claimed, because that's not a word we use often. So every so he demolishes every argument and every claim that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we'll stop right there. Oftentimes I'll hear people say, well, the knowledge of God is referring to the gospel, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that he died on a cross, that he rose again. And the reality is that verse is not necessarily just talking about the gospel. That's included, but it's talking about all the knowledge of God or all the truth of God. All right? So he says we demolish 
arguments and every claim that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And what do we do? We take it captive, right? We hold it captive. We hold captive every thought until what? Until it becomes obedient to Christ, to the teachings of what God has to say to us and through us or about us. Are we following? I don't have enough patience. It's not true. Everything you have for living and for godliness has been given to you if you're a believer in Christ. You don't need more. You already have it. You have a belief that you need more. And that is something that you're holding on to. So we need to take every claim or every argument that goes against the knowledge of God, what God says to us and through us and about us in the Scripture, and we need to hold it captive. And we went through that little exercise in week one and week two of how you actually do that. And we hold it captive in our mind until it becomes obedient, until we allow the truth of what God has to say to us and about us to wash over us. Okay, otherwise, you know what we're going to do? We're going to be just like the elephant. We're going to be staked to a ground. We have every right, because of the authority of who Christ is, to break free. But our perception is we can't. And we will live as if we're stuck to the pin in the ground. And every time we move, every time we think, we'll have a reflection back to a day back in the old days, where it's sore, where it hurts, where we remember things, you're stupid, you're dumb, you're ugly, you're never going to amount to anything. And we're going to believe it. And we're going to make decisions around that perception or that stronghold that we have in our life. See, and here, here's, here's something that's just, it's, it's so powerful to grab a hold of. Every once in a while, you know, you'll get a gift and someone will have a gift and they'll put it in a box. And then they give you that little thing on the side. They'll say, hey, make sure when you pull the shirt out that you look at the bottom of the box because there's something in there for you. You know, gift card or cash or check or something like that. Because I think, you know, if you grab the shirt, you know, throw the box out and inside there will be that check or that gift card. So they want to remind you, hey, pay attention. Not only do you have the shirt, but there's something underneath it. Unless you open up the scriptures, unless you understand what God says to you, you know what you're going to do? You're going to cruise on the surface. And you're not going to really get down to what he really says to you and about you in your life. And sure, you know John 3.16, for God so loved the world. You got that down. But have you gone deeper into it where you see the real truth about who you are in Christ? Not because we're special, but because we're in Christ. And you've got to kind of peel the layers aside and begin to internalize it. Otherwise, you'll pull out the, the, the top part, toss the book aside, and miss the re- rich part in your life. Right? You'll miss the rich part in your life. God has already given you everything through Christ to live a godly life on this earth. We don't have to manufacture anything. It's been given to us. And we need to recognize that. That it has been given to us in Christ and we have it because of Him. Number two in your outline, when you understand what God says when you understand what God says, then you under, when you understand what God says, then you will understand the truth. And what will the truth do? Set you free. 
Look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has given us, what's the word? Not, not some of it, but everything that we need for life and godliness through what? Through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Right? And so if you sit here today and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God dwells within you. That's Romans chapter 8, right? You, you, however, are not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, right? If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if He doesn't, then you're not a believer. If you've given your heart to Jesus Christ and He is your Lord and Savior, that you would acknowledge that you missed the mark, that's what sin means, that's an archery term, to miss the mark, we're all sinners, and you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that He died on a cross, that He rose again, and you confessed Him to be your Lord and Savior, the Scripture says the Spirit of God dwells within you. And everything to live a godly life and life in general is given to us in and through Christ. Are we tracking okay? Okay, so here we go. Let me ask you a question. How many of you need patience in your life? I better not see a hand up. Unless you need to stay with me after to invite Jesus in your life. So let, let me ask you again, since you know the answer. How I many of you all my friends? Whew. Let's go back to number one. How many of you need patience in your life? You should only raise, and I'm, I'm being serious, you should only raise your hand if you do not have Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if Paul is saying is true, you have everything that you need because Christ is in you. You have patience, you have wisdom, you have faith, right? You have the stick to to live a godly life and a faithful life for Him. If you do not have a personal relationship with Christ, at the end of the service, you need to invite Christ to come into your life. But as believers, we should. So here's, here's the rub, man. This is where we're all at. See, we all want to come back and nail our stake in the ground, don't we? It's like just by default, we just go right back there. And so who's right? What you believe or what God says about you and to you. Who's right? Do we believe it? See, it's tough, isn't it? So you, you, you recognize how hard it is to get off of the strongholds in our life because we just defer right back to it. It's like a reset button. Do we just reset and go right back to the old ways? And yet we have been set free through Christ. Look with me, number three. If the fullness of God is in Christ and you are in Him, what more do you need? God has blessed you with, with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. When you understand that, you will begin to have a healthy self-image to understand who you are in the Lord Jesus Christ. Pretty powerful stuff, isn't it? When we begin to understand that, then we will un, you know, be able to grasp its fullness. Big idea number three. 
you need to recognize that you are accepted in Christ. This is another difficult one that we wrestle with. In verse 6, he says, uh, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Who's the one he loves? Who's the one that he loves? Christ, right? So he has freely given us. We are in a relationship. Number one. Now, what is a relationship? Your relationship is one of acceptance. Not merely that you have accepted God, but that he has made you acceptable through the one he loves. See, the key phrase is in Christ. If we are not in Christ, we are not acceptable. Because our righteousness, which is one from last week, we are only saints and we are only righteous because of what Christ has done for us. He credited it to our account. Remember that from last week. And so we sit here today and we are only accepted, acceptable excuse me, to God through Christ. We cannot live a good enough life to reach a holy God. And so we are only accepted and acceptable through Christ, right? God says you're acceptable through the one whom he loves. When Jesus was baptized in Matthew, in the gospel accounts, and he was baptized by John in the river, we all remember that verse, Matthew 3, verse 7. It says, and the voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love, with, whom, with uh, him I am well pleased. We are only well pleased in the sight of God because Christ covers us. So in a kind of a visual way, if, if, if God is looking down upon us, He doesn't see us. He sees the righteousness of Christ in us because we are in Him. Right? He doesn't see our mistakes. He sees the blood of Christ or the sacrificial atonement of Christ in our life. Does that make sense? So it, it's kind of like he has a vision problem if we're in Christ. And he sees us, he, he, he sees Christ. But why do, we rec- why do we wrestle with rejection? You ever wonder that? Well, what, why, is it, why is it that kids and even adults, we're all, we're all tempted in the same way. Why is it that, that you know, kids will leave a loving home and head out and hook up with people who are just making horrendous decisions and you scratch your head and you go, why would they do that? They had a good home, a good family life, good food, a soft bed, you know, all the things. Why would they do that? You want to know why? Because they're looking for acceptance. Because all of us have a sin nature. And when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, what did God do to Adam and Eve? Get out. Right? The sinful nature is inbreded in each of us because we have a sinful nature is rejection. We feel rejected. And that's part of a sin nature that we have. And so we do things to try to get accepted. So kids go out and find gangsters, right? Do things that they shouldn't do. You young girls who are looking for acceptance will listen to a boy and a boy will tell her anything that she wants to hear, right? In order to be, quote, accepted. Adults, we do the same thing. Did I tell you what kind of car I drive? I bought a boat, right? Don't we? We pull up the stoplight, 
look at the guy, and we're like, by the way, I drive like a 2003 Mercury that has a salvage title, so don't get too excited. <laughs> right? You pull up, wham, wham, wham. I'm accepted. Right? Because in us, we have a sinful nature where we feel, by default, rejected. You know, people who try to work to please God, they tell you all the things they've done. Guess what I did? I did this, I did that, I did this, I did that. As if God's going to go, I'm so glad you did something because without you, I'm telling you, nothing would have gotten done. Right? I mean, I granted, I created everything in six days with a spoken word, but I'm telling you right now, if it wasn't for you, this whole thing would be like, what on earth are we here for? Right? So what do we do? Right? We try to please God. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't do good deeds. We should. But we're never going to be work our way to please God. You're, you're never going to. You can't come here enough to please God. You'll please me. And you'll be in my group. <laughs> in which case, you're just trying to fit into my group, right? Just get accepted. And so we need to recognize, and this is, this is what's so powerful. We need to recognize that as we sit here today, folks, listen. God loves you, and God accepts you. And if you're in Christ, you're, you are made acceptable in his eyes. And when you, when you get your mind around that, folks, there is freedom. You're no longer, it's no longer legalistic. You know, oftentimes you hear, you know, do this, do that, do this, do this. It, it, the bondage is broke. There's freedom in a relationship. Of course we want to do things that please our Heavenly Father. But there's freedom when we're trying to earn our way to God. It, we, we just never seem to make it there. Here's a little key truth, and you can put a little star on number two. God does not change you in order that He may love you. God loves you in order that He may change you. He does not change you in order that he may love you, but God loves you in order that he may change you. Romans 5.8, God demonstrated his own love for us that while we were still missing the mark, that's what that means, what did Christ do? He died for us, right? So, so this, is, this is important to get a hold of here too. God loves everyone. Pay attention. He loves everyone. For God so loved the world. Right? But we are only accepted to Him through Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right? God loves everyone, but it is only through Jesus Christ that we are acceptable to a holy God. And so how do we accept that Admit that we missed the mark. Admit that we're sinners. Believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that He died on a cross, that He rose again. Confess Him to be your Lord and Savior of your life. That He is going to be the new leader of your life. Right? And when we do that, then we are acceptable to, to God. You tracking? All right. <clears throat> so here's the key phrase, and we're going to wrap it up. Here's the key phrase. The key to all of this is the little phrase, 
in Christ. If you scratch out the in Christ, we are all bankrupt. We have nothing. It's only because we are in Christ. So here we go. You guys ready? Sliding forward, got your thinking caps on? Or should we just take the offering and go home? (laughs) If we had a 55-gallon barrel, and I could put you in it, hallelujah, and we could seal it, and then we'd all take a little field trip down to the river, and I threw you the barrel into the river, where would you be? You would be in a barrel in the river, right? Are we following so far? Okay, this is going to get a little easier in a minute, right? If a train's going 55 and 47, and right? So, so here, here, here it is. Where are you right now? No. You're in the barrel? <laughs> no, we'd like to put you in the barrel, okay? <laughs> Where are you right now? You're in Oakley, okay? We'll help you out in a little bit. And then just raise your hand and we'll have someone show you your car, okay? You're in Oakley and you're in the building of Laurel Ridge Church, right? Is this getting too difficult? All right. From a spiritual standpoint, those of you who are in Christ, where are you? In Christ? Where's Christ? No, he's not. Where's Christ? No, the Holy Spirit is in you. Where's Christ? Nope. He's in heaven. He's in the heavenlies. Now, now grab a hold of this. From a spiritual standpoint, folks, listen. You are in Christ, and Christ is in the heavenlies, seated on his throne. Okay, from a spiritual standpoint, not literally, you're here. From a spiritual standpoint, as believers in Christ, the reason why we are saints, the reason why we have all the resources of Christ, and the reason why we are acceptable to God is because we are in Christ, and Christ is seated in the heavenlies. And that's exactly what Paul says. And here's what Paul wants us to understand. That when we understand the doctrine of who we are in Christ, it will translate into the practice of how we live. When you understand your position in Christ and you pull the pen up and you no longer let the strongholds of your wacky beliefs control you still and you recognize who you are in Christ and where you're placed with him in glory. Paul believes this, and I believe it to be true too, that doctrine, understanding doctrine, will drive you into how you live your life in the world. Practice. Doctrine drives you, teaches you, guides you on how you live your life in the real world. And so Paul starts out in Ephesians, and he says, here's the doctrine. You're in Christ. And because you're in Christ, you have the resources, right? You have the righteousness. 
and you are acceptable to God, now go live that way in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for just this opportunity to gather and to sit under the authority of your word. And Father, at times it's so difficult to, to wrap our mind and wrap our arms around your truths. And, and certainly today is one of those tough ones to grab a hold of. But I pray, Lord, that your spirit will pound it, will etch it into our minds, that we will recognize who we are in Christ. That we have the righteousness of Christ, the resources of Christ, and we are acceptable to our Heavenly Father through Christ. And Lord, today, we just ask that you will etch that in our hearts and our minds, and that as we leave here today, we will leave here understanding the doctrine, therefore driving us in to how we live in a practical way on a daily basis. And Father, as we wrap up today, I want to give the folks here today who perhaps do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that opportunity. And so if you're here today and you recognize that perhaps you tried to work your way to God and it's through a relationship of how we get to Him and I want to give you that opportunity to make a decision to follow Christ. It's the best decision that you'll ever make. And as I said earlier, it's admit that we missed the mark, that we're sinners. That's, it's an archery term. We shot our arrow. We missed it. B is to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that He died on a cross, that He rose again. And C is to confess Him as your Lord and Savior. And if you're sitting here today and you've never entered in that personal relationship, I want you to just silently repeat after me, not out loud, just silently repeat. Just say, Lord Jesus, today, I admit that I've missed the mark, that I'm a sinner, that I've made mistakes. And I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that he died on a cross and then he rose again. And today, I confess him to be my Lord and Savior of my life. Father, thank you for giving me a new start, a new beginning, a new life. And Lord, I pray that you will grow me in my life, that I will become more like you in character. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, Father, as we leave here today, and we give back to you a portion of what you've blessed us with. Lord, we ask that you will bless the giver as well as the gift. Lord, that you'll bless uh, the leadership here with wisdom and discernment on the resources that you've entrusted us with, that we would be wise stewards, that we would use it to the furthering of your kingdom, to create environments for people to hear that they matter to God and that you have a purpose for them. Thank you for the generosity and the love uh, of this congregation, Father, and I pray just a special blessing upon them. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.